Great. Well, it's lovely to be here again. And just before I talk on that passage, just to point out one or two things, we are going to talk today about the life that we have as God's people. Those of you who know me, uh, you know that I often say there is only one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name. And I'm in a job now which celebrates different traditions from East and West. I was preaching two weeks ago in St. John's Catholic Church, saying the same thing. A real emotional evening, actually, at the end of which a call for unity had a, a small round of applause from them. Last Sunday I was in Bath Abbey saying the same thing. And here it's wonderful to be sort of earthing us now this morning, this lovely peaceful time in this church, that we earth ourselves in the one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name. And as soon as we start talking about that more, we start saying, look guys, we're all camped on the same hill. That is Jesus Christ. And it's high time we rolled up the sides of our tents and talked to each other. Because the world outside, who's looking at faith, looks in and sees grumpiness and division and says, what are they on actually, that lot? There are many more people seeking faith than we know. That's from the workplace. Those of you who are in the workplace will know that. And so it's a real celebration today in this service. Please note in the, in the, in the sheet that Gary has put in this note about the new rector. Very exciting time. Bath Abbey last week. Very excited by the Reverend Canon Guy Bridgewater. A unanimous appointment to, to take over at Bath Abbey. That is a fantastic place. The music last Sunday, I was there at both services last Sunday, and there were probably between three and 400 people there, over half of them visitors. What a fantastic contribution the Bath Abbey makes, that beautiful building, to the one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name. And a prayer there, and a prayer for anybody here who speaks at one-off services, is that we haven't got the, the privilege of sort of a continuity of week after week deep preaching. We haven't got the privilege of people coming back because they want to come and hear us again or hear All Saints again or whatever. Ministry is very often a one-off moment. As Patrick said to me, when we were in Malawi, we did an event there, which is a fantastic event, and he said, Nigel, it's drip-feeding. They won't change overnight, but it's drip-feeding because we are members of the One Worldwide Saving Network in Jesus Christ's name. We went to a school in Malawi, Five of us went to a school, they visited a school. There were about 12 classes of people down dust tracks. And we saw an amazing six, seven-year-old group all looking, working with iPads that had been given by a charity. But we went into one other class, had a very moving time, which ended up with a prayer for that class. And I was there with two Malawians and two graduate girls from Bath. And we prayed for that school. At the end, we were very moved. That class was very moved. As we left to walk back to start our mission, the, the team I was with said, were upset. They said, Nigel, why couldn't we have done that in the, last, in the other ten classes in that school? Because that one class we did go was blessed. I said, I don't know. What I do know this morning is that we were called and enabled by God to go into one class and pray for them. And we can pray that that is a contribution of prayer to the one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name, and that somebody else will be sent by God to pray a blessing over the other classes. It was a profound moment where we then prayed over the whole school, just saying that we're all part of this family. 
Another uh, note just here, please note Joan Steely's funeral, Ken's mum, is this uh, next Wednesday coming up at 11 o'clock at Haycombe. I'm seeing Ken at lunchtime today, Ken and Michael, his brother, and I know that he would love it if people could be able to support them there. There's a note here about, about that and other notices in the notice sheet. One of the great joys I have in the work that I do now, and I'm called to do by the university, is to visit other churches in Bath, look after students, hence being at the Catholic Church two weeks ago at Bath Abbey last week, and Holy Trinity this morning. And it's a great joy, again, to go around other churches, to give thanks and to build a relationship. Fantastic seeing Hugo. Just seeing, just seeing you there, welcome. Great to see you. We are one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name. Yes? And that's a great thing to do. Okay. So let's look at this story, a well-known story. I'd like to look at this story differently. And just build it on two things. I had a lovely uh, acronym, JOY, from a sermon I was listening to, in fact, from Asian Kumdan on Nehemiah. A very good sermon summarizing Nehemiah's contribution to the life of God's church. But joy stands for Jesus first, others next, yourself last. Quite good, I thought. I wrote it down. I thought, Nigel, let that be a reminder to you on Monday morning. <laughs> Jesus first, others next, yourself last. And of course, Jesus is always looking out for others to join his kingdom. And we are his eyes and ears wherever he's placed us. Another thing about being part of the one worldwide saving network in Jesus Christ's name is that we can pray for situations around the world. Of course we can, and prayer helps, we know that. But amidst all, that, all that's going on in the world, actually, it's also worthwhile remembering that on tomorrow morning, or whenever you are in your next conversation, why are you there? Because God meant you to be there on that conversation. Whatever else is going on, you're there now talking to that person about the love of God in Jesus' name, Jesus first. On Friday we had a wedding here. It was an amazing wedding, actually. Um, weddings are always a huge privilege. And this, this was different. Normally, or quite often, the weddings here are um, with couples who are on the edge of faith. I have a policy of weddings that if people want to get married in church, I marry them. I believe that request is a statement of faith. I never have people coming to see me wanting to get married in church because mum said so. They always have something to do about the presence of God, and I believe that weddings therefore become evangelistic opportunities. Sometimes weddings are extraordinary because we have the organist and Annie and I as three points of faith in a church full of strangers, and that happens sometimes. And so the prayer there is that that tri triangle of prayer overgirds, arches over the rest of the lot, the rest of them there, and that I believe everybody is moved by the presence of God at weddings. They make a step of faith. On Friday, it was fascinating because the couple getting married, Mark and Grace, both had very deep faith, very special actually, to see how they are preparing and planning and lifestyle and new beginnings in many ways the day they got married for them. That was their choice. But the other difference was that uh, Mark's family were from Northern Ireland and had a strong faith background. Grace's uh, family had not. And so we had Mark and Grace... Mark's family is strong faith, Grace's family not. And Mark and Grace are very worried that I shouldn't be too high cringe. So I said to them, don't worry, I won't be high cringe because I love doing weddings. They said, okay, Nigel. Uh, I didn't wear robes for that wedding either, for their request. That's okay. 
because your robes put this family off, then I wouldn't wear robes, and we agreed that. But we had a fantastic wedding where we had a band from Vineyard. I'm sorry they left their kit up, but they were fantastic singers. This place rocked. I came on Friday morning to do the rehearsal, and Annie was at the back. She'd just been to New Wine last week. Yes. And Annie was there booging around at the back of church. <laughs> now, if you haven't seen Annie boogie, it's quite cool. And she, but she was there. It was tremendous worship. It raised the roof. And, of course, singing itself, isn't it, is a way to bring us in the presence of God. That beautiful a cappella singing this morning. Do you hear the harmonies? It's fabulous. Anyway, we had this fantastic... Uh, celebration really and I paused they had a reading from Corinthians but I also reflected the start uh, on why was it that the wedding in Cana you remember the story John's first miracle John only recalls about six miracles in his gospel why is it that now that is remembered I wonder what the family of that wedding in Cana would think if that wedding 2,000 odd years ago is now remembered and we remember throughout history because it's in the liturgy of the Anglican marriage service. That's quite a thought, isn't it? And it's worthy of stopping and saying, oh, that's not just, is that just a miracle? Or just a miracle, really? I said on Friday at the wedding, I said, it was amazing, you know what happened, the wine ran out and Jesus changed the waters into the best vintage. And I said, miracle, really? I then said on Friday, well, we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. So yes, of course he can change water into wine. That's a given, it seems to me, in that story. But then we went on further and we said, the people who saw that, other than the disciples, were the servants. The master didn't, the guest didn't. It was the servants who saw that miracle. But then the final point of that miracle, which I love, adore, and it happens again in John, is that John says the disciples saw and put their faith. Or saw and believed, another phrase. Just think of that. They're already disciples. They've already given up their fishing, their livelihood, to follow Jesus. Something about him called, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, he said, and they followed him. But John still recalls the fact that disciples saw and believed. And on Friday I said, and so today, we will see things today. Weddings are by definition Times to grow in faith, so let us today see and believe. I had my hair cut on Thursday. Thank you very much, thank you, yes. Well, I went into this new hairdresser I found in town, I said, the boss said, i.e. Pat, said, no number four clippers today, please. And so I had a clear instructions not to cut it too short, but this was an Italian hairdresser. And we're going to Rome next spring, so I said, oh yes, we're going to Rome next year, I haven't been there before. We said, I've been to Rome, he said, he was Italian. I don't believe... I can't believe because of all the suffering in the world and all the children suffering. I can't believe. And I had to be quite careful what, I had, what to say at that point because he had the clippers and the razor. <laughs> <laughs> but I did sort of extend a thought to say, yes, of course, when Jesus came into the world, there was also terrible suffering. Suffering was not his fault. But he came to help us cope with it, as he does throughout time. It was a great wedding. And so today, Zacchaeus, question one, I can't claim credit for this, Paul Lang said this years ago, who was the short man? Maybe it was Zacchaeus. Well, if you read it, it could be that Jesus was the short man. Here's a thought, isn't it? 
let's look at it differently. Let's look at it differently. And so I love it when we look at a story and we read it again with fresh eyes or with other people with fresh eyes. I believe one of the ways that we go in, grow in our faith is to read familiar things with fresh eyes. Like the first disciples, we are called to see and believe, to see and deepen. And I believe that we go on all our lives. As soon as we become complacent and stop wanting to grow, we stop growing, I think. The gospel is almost fresh every day, isn't it? Fresh every day. We wake up every morning, Lord, thank you I'm alive. I praise your name. Forgive me and be with me today. And when we are in tune, I don't know about you, some days I'm definitely not in tune. I'm definitely not in tune. But when we are in tune with the Lord and his spirit, we do start seeing things differently, I believe. When we see things differently, we grow in our faith. Thank God for God's grace. And that surely is what Zacchaeus was seeking. It doesn't matter who the short man was, that was just a thought. But there's Zacchaeus, his role in town, unpopular. And something moved him that day to look at this man. Jesus, of course, as we've already said, put us first. Every day, imagine him walking through town. Imagine walking through Jericho every day. And he'll spot Zacchaeus. He'll see probably some, some branches rustling. Why is that bloke up there in that tree? Ah, that's Zacchaeus. Go and see him. Because he wants to see me. I know that because he climbed a tree. And so Jesus calls Zacchaeus. And of course, Zacchaeus, in that moment, had put Jesus first over himself, his reputation, his standing in the village, making a complete Charlie of himself, climbing up a tree. And as we heard in the story, he's so moved by Jesus' love for him that he then puts others next. He puts others next in a way that not only just repays what he owes, but heals the wounds and hurts. That surely was his intention. And then he receives from Jesus this promise of salvation. So for Zacchaeus, there was a culture change in his way of thinking. And somehow, as he said on Friday in his wedding service, it was a great service, great fun, very close, very moving. I'm always in awe when we hear those people say those promises in front of God and each other. But there was something of a culture change. Something about pausing for a moment amidst all the noise and hurly-burly of weddings on Friday and traffic and cars that wouldn't start. The bride's car wouldn't start. Dad was unpopular. But within all that was a palpable, palpable presence of God. Jesus first, others next, ourselves last. So, for us, reflect today. I wrote here one final comment, which I can't read. I've just read it. I can read it now. I've read it. <laughs> and actually, the scene, this was for me and for anybody else. This was a question. 
as we put others, Jesus first, others next, even those we don't like, who knows what the person we don't like is thinking, question mark. How often have you had something where in fact a time of conflict or difficulty and you realise when you talk to them actually there's a misunderstanding and they're hurting deeply because there's something not happening. Put Jesus first, others next, ourselves last.